Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay, welcome everybody to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. I'm Sonny Spira and I am still filling in for Dr. Drew Burns. Drew, if you're ready, let me know. Uh, tonight, I have a very special guest, someone that I've become uh, very familiar with and acquainted with and friendly with through the social media and Facebook apps, Dr. Alessandro Bartolotti. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, Bartoletti. Bartoletti. Close. Excuse yeah. me. I should know. I'm Italian. I should know that, right? Okay. Let me give you some of his background. Uh, born and raised in Pittsburgh, PA, steel worker. Um, no, from the Steelworkers Town, right? Uh, went to yes. Dickinson College in Carlisle, PA, a graduate of 1997. Took a couple years off and finished some prerequisites and then went to Temple University where he graduated in the year 2003. Following Temple, he went into the Navy and served on active duty for four and a half years. Thank you for your service. Since Appreciate then. That. You're welcome. Since then, I practice in a few locations in the Lancaster, PA area, which is a beautiful part of the country if you've never been, and then became a partner at ELCO Family Dental in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, yep. married to his awesome wife, Nina, and they have two great kids, Riley, who's 13, and Landon, who's 10. He enjoys having fun with family sports, reading, using his telescope, ant collecting, Oh, we might have to cover some of that and working on my YouTube channel, which is fascinating. If anybody has time and wants to take a check it out, he has covered, you can name it, whatever topic you can name it. It's great. It's, it should be a, it should be a TV show. It's fantastic. Thanks. A lot of topics. You're welcome. It, I mean, right. You know, a thousand and one uses for uh denture, denture, um, denture cleaners. Yeah. Denture cleaners. I was like, Holy cow, man, where does he get this stuff? Uh, anyway, well, welcome Alessandro. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sonny. Appreciate it. Yes, uh, you're welcome. Where, where do we start? Well, let's start. Let's start right at square one. Tell us a little bit about Pittsburgh and and what kind of influences. Give us a little bit of your background, your family, and just give us some idea what, what kind of uh, environment you grew up in. Sure. I grew up um, as a child of immigrants. My parents moved here Beautiful. in 1971. Beautiful. From uh, where? Basically with two suitcases and 10 bucks. That's what they had. And so uh, grew up, you know, born, raised, grew up, went to school in Pittsburgh uh, with the exception of one year of high school, which I ended up spending in Italy for one year. So my sophomore year of high school, I was in Italy uh, in an Italian school. So, so you grew up, you're, you're, paired, you're first generation American then. That's correct. Yep. So where, where in Italy are they from? They're from a city called Bologna, which is in the northern part of the country. Bologna. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so I would imagine that in your household, Ita Italian was the primary spoken language or no? It was when I was growing up. So uh, I learned them simultaneously as English and Italian uh, because, you know, they, of course, I went to kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten in an American system and I was learning Italian at home. Uh, so right. I was kind of getting both at the same time. 
to my knowledge, there was no confusion between the two. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it, it was, I mean, it was great. It's a wonderful advantage to have uh, because I learned other languages more easily that way. Sure. So did, yep. did they, did they settle in like a predominantly immigrant neighborhood where they could speak Italian and get along without having to learn English? I mean, what kind of neighborhoods were you guys Actually, in? no, uh, we, we did not. Uh, my father uh, went to medical school in Bologna. Then he came over here, did an internship year, his radiology residency, uh, oh, pediatric radiology. And then he became a radiologist. And so uh, we did not, end up in a neighborhood that was predominantly Italian. We, we ended okay. up in a part of Pittsburgh that is actually predominantly Jewish uh, okay. as far as uh, culture and, and heritage mm -hmm. is concerned. Now was, uh, I would imagine your father was a physician. So was there a, a value and an importance on education? I know my, my wife's family, our first generation, uh, or yeah. excuse me, are natural born in Italy. So they put a huge, huge value on you are going to go to school. Uh, he went, he's a carpenter. She sewed co coats for a living. And, he, you know, they were, you're going to better than I was. And you're going to go to school and stuff like that. Was that, I, I would imagine. Correct. Emphasis was high on education and um, high on high performance, you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was one where, yes, you wanted to do well. You, you, you are meant to do well. You, you need to do well. And, um, and, and really that was a good message. It was a hard message. I mean, it was a very disciplined type of system, uh, but it, it pays off. Mm -hmm. Well, if your dad was a physician in Italy, did he, he had to speak some English, I would imagine, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He learned it uh, actually through, friends of my grandmother's who were British and okay. he ended up spending several summers in Great Britain and that's where he picked up the language. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, he did that. My mom uh, in university, her major, her university, because their system is a little bit different than here. Hers was actually languages and okay. English being the primary one that she learned. So well, that's uh, they great. both had a fairly strong English background coming here to this country. Very helpful. Yeah, because I, I know yeah. where I grew up, um, a lot of my friends that lived on the north side, right, which is where all the Italians settled, they had their yeah. own community. They spoke their own language. They didn't have to speak English. And some of these right. young children went to school, and that was the first time they had English introduction. And it put them at a direct disadvantage, you know, because they were trying to learn that, and then they went home and they didn't speak it. And uh right you know, it was different culturally and, um, still, still, still there, but not as strong as it used to be. Um, so, so fill me in now. So you, you, you're Pittsburgh, what, what kind of things were you getting into as you were growing up in high school? Were you, uh, always interested in, you know, medicine or dentistry or, you know, the, the science arts and stuff like that? What, what, what was, what was your, um, what were you kind of finding out with your passion going to high school? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I was in high school, I was thinking medicine possibly as a career mm -hmm. uh, because, of course, you know, dad's a radiologist. So sure. I thought about that. Um, my uncle is a dentist in Italy. So that's my dad's brother. And uh, he, my dad, be, that is, what he did was uh, kind of fast forwarding to college when I was thinking about which direction I should go in. I came back from, you know, night out with some friends of mine and it was maybe 10, 10 30 PM. And my dad's sitting in front of a computer screen because there were at that point starting to send images over computers so he could read, you know, films and CT scans and whatnot. And so he looked at me, he's like, look, look at what I'm doing. It's a Saturday night. I'm sitting in front of a computer screen, you know, looking at images of patients. What is your uncle doing? He's kind of out having a good time. It's 10.30 p.m. on a Saturday night. He's having a good time. He's a dentist. Um, but on a more serious note, my dad did say. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Medicine is changing. So this was at this point, the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Mm -hmm. it was like, medicine is changing. And 
you really don't have the opportunity to create a relationship with your patients anymore in medicine as it is right now. Big, it's a lot more paperwork in and insurance and hassles. Yep. But look at your uncle. Your uncle, you know, sits down, works with people, but he talks to people. He gets to know folks. So you got to kind of make a decision. You know, do you want to be in this more impersonal, you know, spend five minutes with a person and then do paperwork type of deal? Or do you want to develop relationships with people? And the latter, quite frankly, sounded a lot more appealing. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember because I graduated dental school in 89 and there was in that in that era in the 90s, huge changes came about Medicare and the cuts and all the things that happened. And I saw a number of physicians that I became friendly with. I was like, oh, my goodness, I am so glad I, want, I had nothing to do with that. You know, and, and, th- and you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting too, we tend to see people when they're healthy, right? Yeah. Like, like we tend to see, see a person who's, you know, they got a tooth, they got a tooth problem, big deal, right? right? You're not seeing a person who's, I haven't breathed for five days. I, I you know, I, I haven't gone to the bathroom in a week. I, you know, yeah. I'm sick as a dog or now with COVID, I mean, everything, you know, it's like, it's, you can have a pleasant conversation with a person who's, you know, they might be fearful, but they're right. not in dire straits, even with a bad no, toothache. Yeah, typically, right? no. yeah, but toothache, you can resolve it. You're going to be great, you know. So right. I, I always found that interesting. Someone told me that, and I was like, boy, that makes a ton of sense. So let's. So um, so you fit, so you go to college in um, in Carlisle, PA. Um, what yep. was the attraction to that school? Small college um, had a good reputation in the Penn, in Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. even in the northeastern part of the country. Uh, it seems to tend to attract folks from Pittsburgh, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, solid school. The biology department had a very young faculty, but energetic faculty. Huh. And, and so that was a good attraction. Mm-hmm. So I, I did major in biology. I also majored in Italian studies, which you could say was kind of my marshmallow major, you know, just kind of soft, easy. Uh, but yeah, nice. the funny thing was that one of the faculty members who ended up being the chair of the department uh-huh. uh, said, well, you know, I know that you are of Italian background and your parents are Italian because I met them at orientation. So. I'm going to be grading you on a different standard than I'm grading everybody else. <laughs> so, so much for basket weaving 101. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it ended up being a little more challenging than, than advertised, but I still did well. My wife took Italian in college and she said, Oh my God, this is how Italian's supposed to be spoken. Cause she had learned so much from the dialer. Her mother's Sicilian. Dialing. Right. Right. Mother's Sicilian father's from a little town outside of Bari. So Bari's and, uh, yeah. And they cut all the words off and she's like, Oh my God, you're, you're bastardizing the language. You know, it was just, it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. And then I hear them too. And I'm like, I could pick up a little, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so you, you went in, um, so bio was your major, right? Yep. Then you finished and you said you took a couple years off, did some prerequisites. What, what, what happened or what was, what was your thinking? Cause it sounds like you were pretty, pretty kind of, set you were going into either medicine or dentistry and dentistry uh you know one but what, what right. was going on at that point i hadn't taken uh physics which was uh, one yeah. of the prerequisites so yeah. that was kind of an important one mm-hmm. i took statistics as well uh just just to have an additional class um that was in the science focus mm-hmm. so i took those two classes and and in the meantime i worked part-time jobs here and there just to you know, keep myself busy as well. So, uh-huh. so that's what in at least for one year. Now, the second year, I worked a full time job at Pitt, uh, and that's really? when I was applying to dental school. And you didn't go to Pittsburgh Dental School. No, um, you know, you were right I, there. Yeah, I was right there. But you know, when I was applying, I'll be honest. At the time I was applying, there was something weird going on with Pitt Dental, and I really? wasn't the only one to recognize this. There was another person who was applying at the same time, and we were both scratching our heads. You know, we, we sent the application materials and everything in, and we hadn't heard a word back. Meanwhile, Temple had already replied uh, and had already sent, you know, extended an invitation to interview. So I'm like, well, I'll go where I'm interviewed because why not? And it's same state, five-hour drive, not a big deal. Uh, so by the time I'd interviewed with Temple and it was pretty clear that I was close to getting in, then Pitt replied, oh, 
hey, uh, yeah, we'd like to maybe think about interviewing you. And it's like, well, <laughs> then the day after I got a, an acceptance from Temple, I'm like, ah, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, boy, they, they dropped the ball. I mean, they had a hometown guy. Yeah, yeah, and it was not, like I said, not just with me. Another friend of mine who was applying to Pitt said, I didn't hear anything until after I got into Maryland. So, And you said and you, said you worked there, too. I mean, holy Christmas. I mean, how many yeah, more connections Yeah, I, I worked you need? Uh, literally – it's up this hill called Cardiac Hill, uh, uh-huh. which you may or may not be familiar with because of your travels uh, in your college basketball career. But, uh, you know, it was halfway halfway further up the hill. I would have been at the dental school. So, well, the field, uh, yeah, out, the field minute out. walk at best. <laughs> The field house was not friendly to the Orangemen, let me tell you. No, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I think we play, I think you you guys joined, I think my son, I think we played you only twice. Um, I think with my junior and senior year. And um, that was your Jerome Lane broke the backboard on the dunk. It's still, it's still. Yeah, I remember uh, that. That wasn't our game, but. That was the no, year. I and still remember that on ESPN or the sports channel and networks that they showed it replay after replay. Oh, heck yeah. I was like, oh man, we're playing these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a couple, I have a couple friends I still stay in touch with too. So, so, um, so you decided you go to temple, right? Yep. Okay. And now you're in temple to, uh, what's lighting your fire in dental school. Is it, listen, I really want to stick in general. Um, was there anything that you were flirting with in terms of careers? What were you, what were your thoughts in dental school now? Well, I, I was pretty open. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Perfect. that's the thing I, I didn't, I didn't want to exclude anything, especially not in the first two years, uh, which were science-based primarily, but it's like explore all the different specialties, what they have to offer. Um, And then if something kind of decided to stick with me in terms of specialty, I'd I'd go with it. But as it turns out, uh, being a generalist to me seemed to be the best option. And I got a Navy scholarship. uh, So uh, then I just kind of went into the Navy and I did a GPR. So mm-hmm. while I was in the Navy, I did a GPR. So um, that too kind of directed me to just remaining a generalist, you could say. Okay. So now being, you've been through college, now you're in dental school. Were you still, were you and your uncle still, um, I'm not going to say in communication, but was he still kind of, was he an influence on you? Was he helping you? Was he someone you could confide in or was it, uh, you know, a little more distant, let's say. Well, it was distant in the sense that him being in Italy and me being in the United States, you know, made communication to a certain degree uh, a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, same with any any of my relatives in Italy. You know, we I would try to get in touch with them periodically, uh, but school kept me. You know, that yeah. certainly kept me busy, as you well know. And so, um, yeah, I, I wish I would have had more time to communicate with him then. I think he may, again, this is, this is a possible, I don't know if it's true or not, but he may have been hoping that I would have, you know, finished dental school and then come over to Italy and taken over his practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that, that just speculation, um, but uh, we, we did periodically stay in touch. We did talk a lot more now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I talk at least once a week with him. So yeah, it's and like, it's easier thing. now, right? It's like, yeah, well, much easier. I'm not, yeah. I'm not in school. I'm not, you know, don't have eight chapters to read in two days, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Four wax ups and get this done. Yeah, get exactly. Partial framework approved. Yeah. Oh gosh. I remember the days. They're fun. Right. So, yeah. so, so you finished and you said you did a GPR within the Navy. So were you, um, yeah. were you committed to the Navy while you were in dental school? Like, did you do the OIS training and, and yeah. all that uh, stuff? Well, actually it, it ended up being a little bit different. Um, I did OIS after I finished dental school. Okay. There was the option to do it during dental school. Uh, I opted to wait and, and do it at the end. So that's a great question. Some of my classmates did it during dental school. Now, dental school for me was you know, 1999 to 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one guy went in, uh, to, in the year 2000 to do OIS. And he's like, oh, it was a breeze. Yeah, they yelled at you for two or three days. And then after that, it was, you know, fork and knife school. And you went to class, you went to the gym, and then you got to tour mansions in Newport, and you got to do all sorts of awesome stuff. Well, you know, of course, then the you know tragedy really, uh, 9-11 came about. 
And so training thereafter is uh, a lot different than what was described to us by the classmate who went before. And uh, so instead, it was more like most of the time it was fairly rigorous with the, you know, discipline and learning how to march and learning everything and, and physically. And, and yeah, so it, it became a very different animal afterwards, um, but appropriately so, really. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I could only imagine. Um, now, were you... Um, Cause I, had, I had a good friend, uh, uh, Dr. Bill Pugh, William Pugh was in my dental school class and he was, he did the OIS, I believe in school. And, yeah. um, I don't remember if they got compensated. Did you get compensation for your dental school? Like, did they cover your tuition in exchange for the four years? Or what, what was your arrangement with the Navy at that point in time? So the Navy, it was, on. Um, they have two programs. They have the HPSP, which covers tuition and gives you a small stipend. And they have the HSCP, which is the collegiate program. That does not cover tuition, but it gives you a very, very generous stipend per month. Uh, I actually took the collegiate program while I was in dental school. And okay. so the collegiate program offered, at least at that time, I'm not sure what, if how it has mutated over time, because all things do. But at the time, uh, the advantage to that was that the as soon as I signed, from that day forward, I was considered on active duty while I was in dental school. So oh. I got active duty time, right, time accrued while I was in school, in addition to getting a nice stipend. So uh, I was fortunate enough to have that. Um, I was fortunate enough to have worked before dental school, been a saver. Um, I was, everybody made fun of me because I saved all my money, but uh, that actually made a huge difference because huge. I walked out of school without a penny in loans. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Of course I didn't have a penny, but I didn't have a penny in loans. So let me ask you this now. So 2003 to 2007, 2008 is you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the Navy. Yeah. Active duty. Weren't we, weren't we at a, in war in one, of, in one of those periods of time, weren't we at in either the Gulf War or the Quake? Yeah, we, we were in Iraq. We were in Afghanistan. Um, my first year was a GPR year, uh, as I'd mentioned, and that was in Bethesda. So okay. I was seeing casualties returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so we did see those types of wounds, um, you know, and, and, you know, my very first prescription uh, was for a patient who... Uh, had lost an eye in Iraq and, um, you know, had had other facial injuries and he had been fixed up really, really well by the oral surgeons, uh, you know, in Bethesda. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'll never forget that. Were you, were you ever called into duty um, at all? I was not. I was never in a combat situation. So um, my, my second year, that is the year after my GPR, I was uh, sent to Japan for a year. So I was sent to a place called Iwakuni, Japan, a very small town. You could almost call it, even though it was small and out of the way, and, and some of the Japanese might even term it in the sticks. Um, you know, for, for Japanese standards, I mean, it was a town of 150,000 people, but for them, that's in the sticks. Uh, it was a gem. It really was a beautiful place. So, so you finished your military, and then... How are you getting ready to assimilate back into um, civilian world? Um, were you looking so I had for an enormous jobs? Fortune. What, what did you do? I had a great fortune. In dental school, um, I had a, a part-time faculty member. He was only in on Fridays, uh, but he was in private practice the rest of the week. And um, his name's Dr. Richard Ram, super nice guy. And uh, he was a mentor while I was in dental school and, and a connection. And I said, hey, look, Richard, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to get out of the military in about, you know, a year or so. We'd like to move back to Pennsylvania, but I don't even know where to start looking. You know, do you have any suggestions? Do you have anybody who knows where I can look for practices that are looking for new folks? And, um, you know, he, he managed to hook me up with, it was one of the big company, you know, reps, um, and, and so I managed to find a place, uh, you know, my, my wife's from the Philadelphia area. I'm from Pittsburgh. I said, well, let's try to find a place in between. Well, you know, Elizabethtown is near Lancaster and I guess that qualifies as in between. Uh, so I ended up there for a few years at first. Okay. 
So you were an associate in a practice, I'm assuming? I'm just that is correct. Yes. Okay. Um, what was your experiences and what were you, what was your expectations? First of all, what type of practice was it? Well, it was um a multi-practice uh type of practice with a main, you could say a, a main hub practice okay. in Elizabethtown and a couple of side practices uh, as well. Uh, the main practice was really big. There were, at the time that I joined, uh, a total of six docs. Um, and I don't even want to know how many hygienists, I mean, they, they were everywhere. Uh, you know, when, when you had a hygiene check, you actually really had three or four uh, mm-hmm. waiting. So, um, it was an interesting experience. I went from kind of one group with the with the Navy uh, because the last place I was was uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island. And so there are a ton of dentists there. So you can bounce ideas off of a lot of people. So I kind of went from one place like that to another, which was good. I like that. I like that experience. Um, but it was different. You know, now I had to do hygiene checks. I never really had to do that in the military. You know, it was just, you know, get your get your patient, patient shows up treat the patient, patient leaves. Okay. Get the next patient. Um, but you know, here, it, you know, I learned about the flow of private practice. Mm-hmm. How about the business end of it? Was it a, an insurance driven practice? Was it private pay? No, was it um, a mixture? The, that practice at that time was almost entirely fee for service. Okay. They participated with one insurance company only, and that was guardian. I remember okay. that. Okay. So were you learning any of the business? I mean, we're, we're, well, first of all, where, where did you see yourself? Did you see yourself? Oh, okay. I can see myself, you know, moving into a partnership role. Cause you're there. You said two years you're in this practice. I was with the practice, um, between one, one location, the main location and a satellite, uh, a total, I'd like to say over three and a half years, roughly okay. in that range. Were, were, were uh, you, were you trying to, to become a partner? Yeah. Were you kind of trying to absorb the business part? How did, how, how was your, Cause I get, you know, bouncing ideas in the dentistry. That's the, the fun part. Right. But were you starting right. to think I, I might own this? So I should start learning some of the ins and outs of maybe HR or hiring or accounts receivable. I mean, where, where were At you going first, with that part? I was trying to just get a feel for private practice. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for the first year and a half, I was mainly, okay. So how does, how is this different from the military, which is very different. Um, how do I succeed with patients? Because it's a whole different mindset, whole different attitude, you know, and everything. And then from there, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I could partner with, you know, in this practice, maybe. Um, and as unfortunately it turned out, the answer was no, but, um, you know, so it was basically just feeling out how the practice worked, how the flow of the practice worked. And, and I mean, we all knew the numbers. Uh, the numbers were kind of, you could say, they were posted. So we knew how things were going overall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was starting to get a sense of the numbers as far as, you know, production, collections, and things like that. So I did start to learn about the business aspect of private practice there. Um, so that kind of kicked off the learning in that sense. Well, let me ask you a question. So when you decide to go to work, let's back up a second, right? Sure. Did you have a contract? Was it, listen, you're going to work. Was, was there, was there any talk about, Hey, down the road, we want to, you know, we bring you in. I mean, what was your expectations or your contract? What was that like when you first started and where was it now after three, three and a half years, where, where was that? So, uh, at the beginning, yes. I mean, there was an employee contract. Okay. Uh, there was no contract or any kind of further agreement for mm-hmm. partnership. So there had, there was no kind of provision to move the arrangement forward after any certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, was there talk yeah, I came about to it? discover later, which, you know, some practices are that that's just generally how that practice was. And that gotcha. there was a fairly high turnover of associates. Um, which included actually a classmate of mine, which I didn't know until I started, I read a chart and I saw his name. Uh, <laughs> a classmate of mine from dental school had been there before I was. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, you know, so that was the arrangement. And again, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the learning experience that I did mm-hmm. while I was there. Okay. So after three years though, were you, you try, uh, cause you said you talk about you, you did, so did you approach them about becoming a partner and then they said, no, we don't do that or. 
Well, there were a couple of things that happened. The, the first that happened was uh, they sent me to one of the satellite offices because the satellite office was having some trouble. Uh, needed, you could say, some fresh blood uh, because of maybe an associate that wasn't working out so great. So, you know, I went out there and I, you know, between myself and the office manager who I worked with really well, especially towards the end when we kind of got the green light to do things the way we wanted to do things and saw how everything could work. Um, you know, we managed to make things really work well. Uh, and the owner said, well, you know, I don't really, you know, you're not first in line for partnership if that ever becomes any kind of, you know, a possibility. There is another associate who's been here longer than you who would be, you know, ahead of you in line, as it were, which, okay, I can get that. Like, but maybe you might want to purchase this satellite office. I did actually do the due diligence and go through all the rigmarole, but um, you know the, the offer I made was uh, apparently not pleasing to him, and so uh, our business relationship, you could say, ended at that point. <laughs> you put it so politically correct, so um, I, w- I won't dig any deeper on that. I get it. I get it. Um, so at this point now, you are looking for another practice. Are you looking now say, listen, hey, I want to get a little skin in the game. So what's your next step? Well, my next step was um, to find another similar practice, but with an environment much more like um, the main office, quite frankly. The, the main office had a, had a very positive vibe that I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, I ultimately did. I found an office in the very southern tip of Lancaster County, um, some nice folks down in town called Quarryville, Pennsylvania. And I, that was great. Once I ended up there, um, you know, that was a wonderful place to be. You could go down there stress-free. Uh, the owner was a super nice guy, a very good mentor, um, just always, you know, positive philosophy, always encouraging everybody to be their best, do their best. Um, you know, I, I know that there are other places that you could go where you, you go to work with a pit in your stomach. And um, this was definitely the opposite. This was you know, a place where you could go, you know, you're going to be working with a fun bunch of people. It was going to be hard work, but it was going to be, you know, a great time. And, and so that was a great place. In fact, um, you know, and again, another former classmate of mine had, had been at that place prior to me. And I talked with him before going, I'm like, Hey, you know, what was your experience there? And he's like, well, you know, I was there two days a week for four and a half years. So, you know, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have stayed for four and a half years. You know, so yeah, it was a good place to be, um, you know, very positive environment. And I'm grateful for that, that one too. Now, is that where you ended up staying or is that? No, that that was another stepping stone. Now, one okay. thing that I, I didn't mention, though, uh, was that I ended up teaching full time at Temple University for two and a half years. Back to Philly. Um, OK. All right. So I, I taught there while working in, in the private practice one day a week. Uh, while I was you know teaching, I talked with an orthodontist who I referred a lot of cases to from private practice. And he was actually taking care of my Invisalign at the time. So, you know, I'm in his chair. I'm like, you know, you know, I'm an associate and, you know, this is a nice place. I'm in a nice place, stress-free, a lot of fun. But I don't think that the owner is looking necessarily to partner at this time. You know, ultimately, I want to become a partner and then an owner. So I asked him, do you know of anybody who's looking? And the great thing was it was a, an interesting timing moment where he said, hey, guess what? I think I know somebody who just started looking again. So why don't we get you guys, you know, to talk and, and maybe you can go up and see his practice. He's, he's hundred percent fee for service. And I think that that's a great thing. It's a gem out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, uh, again, grateful to the orthodontist uh, for having, you know, basically introduced me to my current practice partner. Okay. So, so there's the connection, but now at this point you're walking in the door with how many years in private private practice uh, experience? Five, six? Well, uh, I'm walking in the door with probably about uh, close to six at that point. So you get a little different confidence level, right? Walking in the door. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. 
That's wonderful. And what is the status or what was the situation? Was it just a situation where the, 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 I'll just call it this, you know, senior dentist was like, listen, I'm cutting back or, uh, you know, what, 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 what made it, what made it a good marriage? What made it work? What was the, it was a great marriage because, um, you know, my, my practice partner, he's, he's still there, still working and still working well. He was not looking necessarily to slow down. Okay. Uh, but his plan, you know, ultimately he knew he want he wants, and he says this even now, he wants to retire at the top of his game. He's still, you know, producing Perfect and situation. doing very, very well. Mm-hmm. And, and the patients love him. Uh, he's been there 40 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's Young got guy. a long history seeing three generations of patients, mm-hmm. you know, so, so he knows a lot of folks and, um, and yeah, he, he wanted a plan for when, you know, the time was right for him to retire. So and he's you- like, when I, when I met him at first, he's like, I still have a ways to go. I'm still doing well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but we can work, we can build this practice up together, you know, keep on making it a great place to be and, and just kind of maintain the positive environment that it is. And um, so, so you have to build your practice now, right? You have to build your, your, you, you now have to build your part of the practice, right? Cause it's not really well, a yeah, two when person I joined, practice. I had to start and, you know, in the area that I'm in, uh, it is, it's a different culture. Uh, you know, it, We're we talk have about that. the Amish, right? Yeah. We, we have uh, a different group called the Mennonites uh, uh-huh. and they are a very culturally conservative group. But they're all they're all good people. It's it it's just they have a you could say a different way of life than you and I, mm-hmm. and um, you know and getting used to a new person for them also is well it, it's new and so uh, they can be a little bit hesitant and reluctant. But that's true of a lot of folks and not just you know them or anywhere. If somebody new comes in. Oh, you know, here's a new person. Well, mm-hmm. where's the old, where's the old guy? Where's the guy that I always knew? You know, why isn't he here? You know, who's this, who's this person that's coming in? Uh, so, um, you know, th- there's always a little, it, and it takes time. And and here I am, you know, seven years later, roughly. And, and I'm still the new guy, just <laughs> some folks. And, you know, that's, that's how it is. Uh, but, you know, it, I'm very happy because uh, it, it really has been a great learning experience. So, so you walk in the door, it's really a one doctor practice, right? Um, I'm not going to say that because he had had associates in the past. Okay. So there had been two docs, you know, uh, on several occasions, just the associateships didn't work, you know, didn't quite work out. Okay. And well, that, so, that's a big plus for you. That's good. Correct. And so, you know, he and I both went to Temple. We both mm-hmm. knew some of the same people. Uh, one of the faculty members that that taught some of us uh, was one of his classmates, so got to find out a lot more about you know some of the people that I worked with and, and knew when I was in dental school and you know from you know from my partner and my partner you know, some of the same instructors that taught me taught him so uh, you know, now you're getting into some folks who've been around for you know, a little bit uh, so he got to tell me some interesting stories about them that I didn't know and so yeah um, but it was a great it was a great opportunity uh, and it came about at the right time and again thanks to my orthodontist for introducing us. So now going into it, that's got to raise some different questions, right? If there's been a couple of, we'll call them failed marriages, right? Right. With, with other associates, what did you do to do your due diligence there? Was it just get to know this doc personally and kind of disregard? Did you have that conversation? Hey, why didn't these things work out? Was he forthright and honest with you about what happened? Yeah. How did that? Cause I'm oh. sure there's a lot of people in the same boat at some point in time in their careers. What, what would you, what would just, just what were your experiences? So, yeah, no, my partner was extremely open. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what makes our relationship now great. Uh, we are open with each other. Mm-hmm. So if there's something going on, there is no hesitation. Uh, you know, we will bring it up with one another right away. Uh, he just came right out and said, yep, this guy, he was just way too aggressive. You know, he, he was treating planting crowns right and left. And that's just not how these people necessarily want things. Um, and so, you know, he 
he ended up leaving. And then the younger guy who, who came around, um, he worked for us for a couple of years, but then he found another opportunity he thought was better. And he decided, he told me, he was honest enough to tell me that he wanted to, you know, go somewhere else. And, and so, you know, okay, it, you know, didn't work out. And then he said, and then I spent a number of years, um, you know, kind of waiting and trying to figure out, you know, who could come in. I think the total number of years uh, was about four. So the lat he had had an associate four years and that was their last arrangement, four years prior to my arrival. Okay, so you really didn't come into a two-doctor practice, really. Because So did he work extra? Like, how, how did it work out for you to, you know, basically have a, a viable portion of your practice? Did he kind of move some people, like move people over, cut some back? Uh, you know, unless he, unless he, he went and he worked He basically crazy. He moved some over. He was, he was working with, um, he, he basically has... Uh, he had two EFTAs. Mm -hmm. So he was going bouncing from room to room to room to room to room. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of working on uh, all sorts of cylinders. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, he, I can't say he wanted to cut back. He didn't cut back his hours. He cut back his volume. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and there were, there are tons of patients in the practice and mm -hmm. even, you know, he, he showed me around the building, which is an, Actually, it is an 1851 uh, building. So it is a historical building. It was a schoolhouse. Mm -hmm. Shows me around the building and, um, you know, shows me all the stuff that's in it. And I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good. And, and then he shows me the, the charts. And it's basically like racks upon racks upon racks upon racks upon of charts. And he's like, this section is the active group, which is huge. And this section is, these are the folks that haven't been in in a few years. Every now and again, they'll come in as an emergency and then you know, we'll hang on. And, and even then it was a huge chunk. So there was a lot and a lot to do. And so I was basically helping ease the burden and, um, you know, and, and over time you get to know some of the people. And then you get to know some more and then you get to know some more. So I built it from within, uh, but really shoulder to shoulder with him. And we know, I mean, he knew all the people I was seeing and you know, they'd say hi and they'd talk and stuff. And, uh, but, but yeah, uh, we were basically building, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it together. Gotcha. So did you guys have a strategy now? Was it, um, like, did you start to quote, I don't know, market? Cause I, I know this is, uh, you, you would define your practice as rural or semi-rural or suburban. What would you call your practice? So I'm going to call it somewhere between semi-rural and rural Gotcha. Uh, because there are a couple of towns, like the town of Lebanon, Pennsylvania yeah. is mm -hmm. not far away that, I mean, mm -hmm. it, you, you drive 10 minutes and you're there. Like Sam Bowie's uh, so, right there. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, and it's about half an hour from Lancaster, mm -hmm. maybe 40, 40 minutes, uh, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. So we're in the countryside. You can call it an agricultural type of practice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we're in the countryside. Um, there are, you know, a few practices around, not many, uh, but there are a few around. And, and generally speaking as, as a group of dentists, you know, the small town folks, we all get along so it's, I like the environment. It's a friendly environment. So now let's move, let's move a little bit into the, what the practice is, right? So you have a, would you say a core Amish practice? Would you say, um, how much of the practice would you say is really based on the, the Amish uh, people? So uh, it's hard to put an exact number because again, we have those patients that kind of come and go as emergencies and, and sometimes they hang around and do a little bit more routine work and sometimes then they disappear for a while. I'm going to say that probably about two to 4% of the patients are Amish. So it's two to 4%. But I mean, sometimes that can even increase depending on, you know, how many decide to come in mm -hmm. and depending really what season it is. That could probably go up to six to seven percent, depending. Okay, so it's um, not it's not feeding, you know, it's not your core practice then, right? It's not the core, but Mennonites are the Mennonites. Oh, I'm probably sorry. That's, a good that's 60, okay. 60 to sixty five percent. 
And the Mennonites are a subset of the Amish, right? Aren't they? They're different. I'm not going to say a subset. It's think of it as a similar group, but not like the Amish. And the, the Mennonites actually, they're actually a very, very diverse group. So Mm -hmm. uh, there are Mennonites who are practically like the Amish, as far as their culture and traditions, you know, Horse and buggy, you know, mm-hmm. no electricity, no all electricity, of that stuff. Yep. No buttons, but then yep. there are Mennonites who are practically like you and I. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have any idea that they were Mennonites. In fact, uh, my my personal physician, I didn't know he was Mennonite until we started. I started talking about my patients, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, I'm a Mennonite too." And I look at him like, "No, you're not." <laughs> and he, he said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and um, so it really it depends on the church that they attend. Some are right. progressive, mm-hmm. and some are said are are the conservatives. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and there's a huge spectrum in between. So, have you done anything yourself to to go out to those communities yourself and make sure you know make sure you're no longer the brand new guy anymore? But uh, you know, to to kind of. You know, this is, hey, I'm Dr. Bertoletti, and, and, and this is, you know, this is what we do. And uh, e- even like, um, you know, I'm going to say PTA, but, you know, child youth right. uh, school groups, um, Children's Health, Dental Health Month. What are some of the things that you've been able to do to help get yourself into the community and that people understand or know who you are? So I, that's a great question. Actually, um, the community gets to know you. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't really necessarily have to go out into the community. Um, So the things that I've done, for example, uh, are I've answered trauma calls, say on, uh, I remember one in particular on a Thursday night at 7.30 PM when, when, you know, a parent calls with, with a pretty serious trauma case for their child. And I go out there to the practice and, and I work until 10 p.m. to fix everything up and get everything in, in decent order. Um, and from there, see, the word spreads. They, they'll, they'll tell fellow churchgoers, hey, this is what this guy, he's the new guy, but this, let me tell you about what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so if you do good things, good word spreads. You know, of course, the opposite is also true. If you don't do good things, mm-hmm. then you know, they can whisper at church like, hey, oh, uh, this no, guy that, might not that's... be so great. I mean, that's the blessing and the curse of the small town. If you have a value for your own reputation and you really work very, very hard to maintain it, 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 it yeah. pays itself in abundance. I'm a thousand percent. I, mean, I think we, I'm not going to say we're rural, but we do have two practices that are a little bit more rural. Um, but it's small, it's small town America. That's where we live. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot to it. Now, did the senior dentist, did he... Um, was there any, uh, well, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, the culture wise, is it, did he meet and greet? Did was there anything that was done sort of as an introduction for you or no? Um, not exactly. No. Uh, you know, I, I started working there and but what he did, I mean, he would say, I have somebody new who's here. Uh, he's here to help me out. He's like, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. He would make that very clear. Uh, but you know, I'm, you know, he's here helping me out and he's conservative. He's a good guy. Um, so he really spoke well of me, uh, mm-hmm. to the people to, to ease them in. And, and that was a big difference. How about when you guys became partners, you officially, um, let's say signed the paper, right? My father-in-law yeah. would say, not till you signed a piece of paper, right? That was getting married. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you signed the, the official, was there any type of, uh, celebration announcement um you know there was cider well, donuts, we si- i signed know. the paper and then i i came back to the practice because that was done at a law office uh, in lancaster <laughs> and then i came to the practice and we you know we it was at the end of the day so we all, everybody was done with with their their work and um there was an announcement and uh there was you know a popping of a wine bottle you know and, and so so yeah, I mean, so some people had wine, some people had the sparkling apple cider, <laughs> apple cider, you know. So, so yeah, um, there was a celebration. It was you know quiet, quiet in inter office you know, celebration, but yeah. Now being semi rural, did you ever get paid off in chickens and and, and eggs? And- <laughs> um, no, never got paid off that way. Uh, my partner did for some things though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the past, it had happened, mm-hmm. uh, but. 
we have some awesome patients, and um, I can think of two families in particular that will bring these. Um, one family brings these cinnamon rolls or other types of sweets of that nature that are absolutely incredible, and they're warm from the oven. And so you can't get any better than that when they come in. Um, and, and another family brings, you know, canned goods that they've canned themselves, they like peaches and, and mm -hmm. apple rings and stuff like that. Uh, so, so you will get, you know, items like that coming in. Uh, some, some bring wood carvings. We have a, a, a 10-year-old who did a really incredible wood carving. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, you get some really neat things coming from, from the local folks, and they're very kind. How was the response to COVID, right? First of all, I'm going to guess that your area wasn't ravaged by COVID. You fair? know, that's, I'm going to, it was, um, it was different. It okay. was different. So our area, of course, you know, we all shut down, at least in Pennsylvania. I think it was March 17th. Um, yeah, yeah, we were 16th. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that became the, the shutdown day. At first, our area was a very low prevalence zone mm -hmm. because it is rural, it is agricultural. So the Social cities distances. were getting hammered, but, you know, we had your, our sparse cases here and there. Mm -hmm. Now, Lebanon County itself has, let's just say it has a connection with New York and New Jersey. Um, there is a, a somewhat, I'm not going to say sizable, but it's not insignificant number of, you know, folks of Hispanic origin. And so family members came to Lebanon County, you know, kind of fleeing the New York and New Jersey yeah. areas. Yeah, get out of the combat and, zone, right? Yeah. Right. And, and right. Yeah. And so uh, unfortunately, of course, asymptomatic carriers, you know, some of them ended up here. And so it started to mushroom a little bit. Now, mm -hmm. our local folks, the Mennonites and our patients were OK, probably till about my guess is June. That's when it started really hitting their early June, late May is when it started hitting their populations. Okay. And, you know, the, the thing with them is they have large families typically. So, you know, it, it gets to one person. Now it gets to, right, exactly. It, it can get to, you know, eight, nine, 10. I mean, this, our, some of our, our families, you know, have up to 14 kids. Mm -hmm. So the, I'd have to say a small Mennonite family has three children. Mm-hmm. That's a very small Mennonite family. Usually they're probably around five, six, seven. Um, so again, if it gets to one group, then if they go to a meeting, it gets to many more. Mm -hmm. and, and so it did mushroom. And, and I know it, it hit the community in the May, June timeframe fairly hard. Okay. So, so now it's real, right? So now this is real. Yeah. This is, this is, this is not just, Oh, this is a city problem, right? Correct. So how was, their response to your response to COVID? So uh, that's an excellent question. Um, their, their philosophy is maybe a lot different than what, how you and I think, um, and, and maybe many people think. Uh, their philosophy is much more, everything is in God's hands. And so, you know, Whatever happens, it is God's will. So as far as that's concerned, for our type of situation, um, you know, they, you could say that it took a little bit for them to get accustomed to wearing masks and things. Now they do, and, and they, they come to our practice, you know, wearing their masks and, and such, which is great, you know, and, and it's a very kind gesture on their part. Um, but it's not they 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 don't want to live in fear. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that a lot of people, rightfully so. I mean, we don't want to get COVID. None of us want to. And so their mindset is, well, if we get it, we get it. We'll try to protect ourselves. But if we get it, we get it. It's just part of God's plan. And so I'm I'm assuming that you're not getting people calling saying, "Hey, listen, are you vaccinated? I'm not coming in until you're vaccinated." Right. No, no, no. We've never. I, I mean, at That's least not reality, as far as the right? Mennonite uh, patients of ours are concerned and Amish patients, they might ask if we are going to get the vaccination. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're they're not going to say we're not coming in because you're not vaccinating. No, no. Gotcha. Yeah, I was joking. We, we haven't had that, but I've seen that with different people, you know. And um, 
So, so what are some of the challenges that you see having a fee-for-service practice in your area in, in a semi-rural setting? Well, what, what, what could you talk about that other people can, can benefit from? So, well, I mean, first off, in our area, you could say that fees are a little bit on the lower side. Um, and I say that because when I was practicing down in the Lancaster area around 2010, um, I can remember the fee for in one place for a one surface posterior composite was about 150. Uh, we have just gone over that now, 11 years later. So uh, our fees for our area are low. Now, um, that doesn't mean that there aren't folks out there in, in our general area who are lower. There may well be. No, but, uh, you know, we've managed to keep our fees reasonable, you know, for the, you know, for the people and, and they keep coming in and they're, they're happy to come in, um, you know, challenges. I mean, we're always, all of us, no matter where we are as, as any dentist, no matter whether you're insurance or fee for service, but, you know, especially fee for service, we're going to have people who say, wow, your prices are super high. You know, you know, why does this all cost so much? This is expensive. Um, you know, and, Having also seen what fees are like in, for example, like Philadelphia or talked with dentists in California, mm -hmm. you know, I'll let somebody know if, if they're making kind of a big deal about it. I'm like, well, look, you know, a filling, this same filling in California is $325. So it's more than twice what you just paid. So, you know, really you're getting a decent deal, all things considered, uh, because you're in an area that costs a lot less than many other areas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember hearing, I forget who it was, was speaking and she said, um, the example was, well, this crown is $500, $500. That's a lot of money. This crown is $600. This that's a lot of money. This crown is $200. Well, that's a lot of money. Well, what's the common denominator? It's a lot of money. Money, you're right. Not, not yeah. exactly what that number was. So right. it's, it was almost like for a young dentist, you, you know, you got to have you got to have a little bit of less sensitivity, you know, uh, understanding and empathy, but a little less sensitivity. Like, oh, what, what are you taking offense at that? You know, it's like people are just sometimes going to complain about it because it's high to them. To them, you yeah. know, it's like if you put in a you know if you put in a shrub at your house, right? Well, how right. much is that shrub? Well, geez, that shrub is eight hundred dollars. I, I can get a shrub at you know Walmart for fifty dollars. Well, it's not the same <laughs> shrub, you know. It's and it's a shrub, right? Well, I don't know what a shrub right. costs, right? You know, it's it's same thing as a plumber, right? Well, plumber, all you did was change the pipes. Well, you know, so it's just it's just an understanding. Um, what are some of the things that you have found in your practice that you just just absolutely love and cherish like what what times and moments what kind of things would you say like listen i have these things that i absolutely love them to death and i wouldn't have them in another practice um well i'll ask you the question uh, to, to clarify do you mean procedures or do you mean moments in the practice uh, everything, um, like a, a, anything, everything. That, so as a dentist, right? So, you know, the, the, you have, you have carte blanche here. What, what kind of things? Uh, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm a dentist. So I'm, the, I'm from inner, inner city Philly. I, I love what that, do you want to tell me that you love about what you guys have going on? So part of it is um, actually walking, walking up towards the building. Uh, mm -hmm. It is uh, Kind of it, like I said, it is a historical, mm -hmm. you know, old brick building. It's very beautiful. Uh, my practice partner and his wife have maintained the grounds themselves mm -hmm. for the most part. They do most of the work. There's a little bit of outside work, but they do most of it themselves. Personal and touch. it is absolutely beautiful. Um, the way they have the flowers that come out, uh, how they plant it, how they plant things, um, the trees that are there. Uh, the, like I said, the building itself, uh, the walkway heading up, it, it is, every day is a beautiful day when you're walking up the steps and, and going to work. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's a part of what makes it special. Um, another part is, you know, the people that are there. 
a lot of the folks in our practice have, have been with us for many, many years. Uh, we're talking in, in some cases up to over, well, like over 35 years for some of them. So they've been there a very long time uh, and they're familiar faces. We know them, we know their personalities, um, you know, from funny to quiet to, you know, to everything in between, you know, they, they really, they make the day go well. Um, and, and they're the people, the patients that come in. Uh, you get to know the families, you get to know the different folks uh, within the practice. Um, you know, you, you see the families grow, change. Um, you know, you see the one kid that, you know, maybe he had, he had a sledding accident and now he's taller than you are. You know, he was eight years old before a little guy. Now, you know, he's, you know, 5'11". Um, so, so, yeah, um, you get to see all these special things. Yes, the uh, the relationships for sure. You know, small town America. Um, we're going to wrap up. Give me a couple more, yeah. couple more things. I, I I want people to get a little insight into. Um, so, uh, semi rural, strong Mennonite based practice, which has got a very strong religious, um, faith based, right? Faith based people, right? Um, in dealing with the economics of everything. Uh, what would you tell right. somebody who's going to go into a similar rural setting? May not be the similar, you know, Mennonite base, but similar rural setting. Let's say, you know, in Iowa. Okay. What kind of advice would you give that doctor? Okay. So that's a great question. Um, and it's, I'm going to say that they have to start to get, I guess, get to know the place, get to know the people, um, you know, and just realize that it's going to take time. It's going to take time for them to get to know you and you to get to know them and to, to slowly figure everything out and get along. Um, you know, if, if you're impatient, you know, then it might not be such a good fit. If you are a, a city individual and you love your city surroundings and your city luxuries and your city, you know, whatever other stuff about the city that you love, and you're going out to the middle of Iowa or wherever in the little setting that you're going, you're not going to have you know, pick, pick whatever you, the convenience you have, it's just not going to be there. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to have your folks who, who have, you know, the, maybe the, the money, the, all the money in the world that to do whatever they want to do with their teeth, you know, zoom whitening every other day, you know, whatever it is that they want to do. Um, this is a very different environment with different values, you know, different cultural beliefs. And, and so, um, so if you truly like the area and want to be in the area, you got to be patient and you will succeed. If you just take the time, you have to take the time. Well, that's fantastic. So I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to ask you the one final question that I've asked everybody it has nothing to do with dentistry. If you could right. go to any place and any time. Okay. Where would you go right. and why? Wow. Um, <laughs> that is an amazing question. And no, nothing I, to do with composites really or amalgams. In the past. Uh, but no, it, yeah, you're right. It has nothing to do with composites <laughs> or amalgam. Um, you know, I would probably, I would probably want to go back um, to actually see where my grandmother, basically to my grandmother's time, just to see what it was like then in Italy. So when she was growing up, where she was growing up, Ballpark. what things were like then. 1920s, when was that? So ballpark, uh, we're talking the 19, late 20s. Yeah. Cool. That's it. I love it. Yeah. Just, yeah. just to go back to Italy to see what things were like 
in the 1920s. It's been amazing to see the differences of all the people I've spoke to, how, how different some are like, I stay right here. And, you know, but obviously right family and the values, the way you were raised mean a lot to you. So yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's also, you know, it's also got a lot of the same small town feel, you know, that people and their families and their uh, tribes, right. Just, you know, what, what they, what they're used to and, and what they yeah. know and how they've grown up and their, their resources around them. So a uh, couple things, please send me the connect and contact for people to subscribe to your YouTube channel. And uh, let's put that on the show notes. And I've got, sure. I've got Dr. Bertoletti's um, email and his website. If you want to look him up and if you want to contact him, I'm sure he's, more than than willing to help anybody out. Um, been very enlightening. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a small town guy too, so I really appreciate many of the things. And uh, I, I could just picture outside your your office. There's a couple of parking spaces for two horse and buggies too. But uh, I didn't I didn't ask you that. So uh, thanks for thanks for being here and thanks for sharing your story and your journey. And uh, yeah, we have a couple hitching posts. <laughs> hitching posts. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. All right. Well, thanks again. I'll put all that info out. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.